to you from the ill the edmund elder library and um i woke up with a song an old imperial song so there's no shortage of god's mercy there's no shortage of god's love talks about there's a fuel of so um there's a shortage on fuel there's a shortage on gas there's a shortage of this and that another <laughs> i don't know all the words i mean i probably do if i think about it but um my point and what I think that the Lord was wanting me to share with you is there is no shortage of God's mercy and his grace and his love and his his arms are reaching, reaching, reaching. Um, there's a Bible verse um, that talks about how that God, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all men come to repentance. He is a merciful, loving God. So I want to share that with you before I get into the book, When God Doesn't Make Sense by Dr. James Dobson that we've been studying, that I've been getting memory joggers from, I guess I should clarify. Um, I started off with this library uh, podcast uh, and wanting to do book reviews and summaries and stuff like that, and that's kind of what I do, but I've realized that, and you've realized if you listen to me, that what I read... Uh, it's more like um, memory prompts to me, and it brings back, and hopefully to you, I hope maybe even the podcast to you makes you think of what God's done in your life, similar instances, because God is no respecter of persons. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust. Life is life, and it's hard. Life is not easy. Life is a, is a real challenge, and um, it's a day-by-day process. We are on the potter's wheel. He is making and molding us if we let him. If we don't resist him and we yield to him, he's going to make something beautiful out of our lives. We are not um, so headstrong and um, we are not so, what I say, we are not, we are not more powerful than God. We cannot, unless we just totally resist his will and run from him and uh, ignore what he's trying to do in our lives. Then he'll then he'll cast us off. Then we'll be cast off. But if we'll yield to him, it's all going to work out. Is that all things work together for the good to those who are the called according to his purpose? The called, the chosen, the faithful, those that love the Lord, those that want him to use them for use our lives for his glory and he will you know he will even though um i've told my i know i have a few faithful listeners thank god for you all but if if somebody should tune in that don't know me or somebody that just periodically listens they may not heard me talk about my husband passing away almost a year ago september the second will be a year of his passing but a couple weeks before he died um he couldn't go to work in fact, Melanie, uh, her and her husband um, were doing helping doing the billings and running the trash route and, and things for him because he couldn't. And um, just, um, he wasn't able to go to his job. He, he was trying to. Um, back towards the end, the, the, the night that he died, he had told the boss he was going to be in at work. Uh, he had taken off as much as he could. And... Um, he was seemed, seemed like he was getting better that day, and his plans was to go. But during that day, 
I seen him sitting on the side of his bed. He was just sitting there. I said, honey, why are you just sitting there? And um, I can't remember what he told me. I can't remember exactly what he told me, but I was um, finishing up with childcare. Then when I got done, I went back in there, and he's still sitting there. And I said, honey, your lips are turning blue. And he nodded at me and um, motioned for me to give me some water, which I did. And um, then he asked me, and I can't remember even him asking. I just know uh, he asked me, and he was asking me for um, um, something to help him stand up. And I said, do you want um, the crutches or, or the cane? I bought him a cane. And um, he said crutches, so I brought him the crutch, and he said that needs to go down. And so I handed him a crutch to show him, I mean, for him to show me what he was talking about. You know, those little button things that you push in to adjust it. That's what he was talking about. Well, when I gave it to him, you know, I guess that exertion, I'm not sure. I guess when he probably tried to push that in, he fell back. He fell back on the bed, and I said, well, honey, you just rest a while, and we'll try again later. And I took the crutch away from him. Never in my wildest dreams did I know that he collapsed, that he had his cardiac arrest right then. Later when I went in, he was laying there, and I was talking to him, and his eyes was, I can't remember if he was open or closed, I think they were open, I don't remember for sure, and he wasn't moving, and I told, I told the girls, uh, I called one of them, I think Melanie, I said, I said, Dad, he's not moving, responding, I said, can you get over here, call now, and so um, they came over, and then they, they called 911. I don't know why I didn't think to call 911. You know, I have beat myself over the head a trillion times about that. I, it never crossed my mind, guys, to call 911. I, I can't imagine. I, I'm so sorry, but I don't know if it would have made a difference. And I don't. I know that if my husband could talk to me, he'd say he's glad that I didn't. That he was. He wanted to go. He had told me, Lisa, I know you're going to be mad. That I've been praying if God's not going to heal me, that he'd just go ahead and take me. My husband was ready to go. He was singing on his bed that morning. He was he was ready to go. And my hard thing is, I keep worrying about, did I do everything right? You know, we do that. We beat ourselves up. We don't know. But in order for God to take him, things had to happen the way they did. I, and that's, you know, we have to release that. We have to stop beating ourselves up. And the same thing when things in life happen. You know, uh, yesterday, one of my um, piano students, the mom texted me and said she's going to be a little bit later to pick up her daughter because she just got rear-ended. When she left my house to go get a drink, to take her, her other, her other child was in the car, her other children was in the car, and she's expecting. And they went to go get a drink while they were waiting on my um, the, the girl to have her piano lesson. And um, that was rear-ended. She probably thought, well, I shouldn't have ever went. She probably beats herself up. Well, if I, if I didn't leave the house to go get a drink, you know, we don't know. All of us can have, you know, things. You know, there's just things. Life. Life gets in the way. So that's why when God doesn't make sense, we just got to trust Him. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word. Just to rest upon the promise. Just to know, just to know, there's no shortage of God's mercy. There's no shortage of God's love. 
Okay, I'm on page 226. I will tell you about one more inductee into my Hall of Fame. She is a woman named Marion Benedict Manuel, who is still living. Of course, probably not now, but when the book was written. I was first introduced to her in a letter she wrote to me in 1979, and I will never forget what she said. I have kept that letter all these years, and in fact, I called her this week. I found this delightful lady still holding tightly to her faith in Jesus Christ. But let me share what she wrote to me in that original correspondence so many years ago. Dear Dr. Dobson, I'm going to tell you my experience as an ugly duckling. I was the first child of a young minister and his school mom wife. They were about 30 years old when I was born. Now brace yourself for this. When I was eight months of age, the heavy spring of the jumper in which I was bouncing suddenly snapped. Being taunt, it came straight down and tore through the first thing it hit, the soft spot on my head. There was nothing to be done. My parents and my uncle and my aunt, with whom we were vocationally, believed me to be dead. They finally found a doctor who took me to the hospital eight miles away. But there was nothing they could do but cleanse and bandage the wound. They gave my parents no hope at all that I would live. They were godly people and they believed in prayer, as did all of our relatives and friends. Their faith is responsible for my life. By the mercy of God, I lived. Even though the doctors told my family I would be a hopeless cripple and mentally incompetent. That did not happen, but there were many problems. To begin with, I was not a beautiful child. I was very homely and gimpy, too. I don't know what that word means. Oh, yes, I walked. The Lord saw to that when he healed me of total paralysis. I was also blessed with a quick mind. Still, oh, paralysis. That um, word was split on the paper. Sometimes when they split words, I have a hard time figuring out what they are. Um, I was also blessed with a quick mind. Still, as you have written, people look for beauty in children. My younger brother had the beauty of the family. He looked like our dad, auburn hair, brown eyes, and he was a charmer. I could not run or jump rope or play ball or catch anything thrown to me. I was crippled on my left side. I guess that's why I became a loner. I developed an imagination that allowed me to live a wonderful life through the hundreds of books that I read and the daydreams I invented. When I told my mother, who died of cancer when I was 10 years old, that I wanted to be a nurse and a missionary, she said, that's wonderful. She knew that I could never be either because of my infirmity. Then we moved to another small town when our father remarried two years after my mother's death. Things became even more difficult. I was not popular through high school. I was a PK, a preacher's kid, and long before this time I had given my heart to the Lord. That added to my introverted personality did not draw me into the cliques of our little town school. One day as I trudged along the walk to the school, a teenage boy came up behind me and asked loudly, What's wrong with you? What's you limping for? Nobody wants to go with a girl that acts like that. I had a very difficult time learning that Christ could give me the strength to be calm and composed in such a situation. Then Dr. Thompson said, Let me interrupt Mrs. Manuel's letter briefly to summarize the circumstances she shared. This child was handicapped from impotency and unable to play like the other boys and girls. The rejection of her peers forced her to meet her social needs through her fantasies. She almost casually mentioned the death of a very sensitive and caring mother when she was 10 and the arrival of a stepmother at the beginning of adolescence. Add to that the ridicule of the opposite sex as a teenager and further rejection because she was a preacher's kid. Here are the ingredients for lifelong psychological damage in most children. But this was no ordinary young lady. Let's return to the letter to see what the Lord has done with her life. 
okay? Italicized. Later, I married a boy I went to school with, and the Lord has blessed me with six sons and two daughters. All of them are married to wonderful Christian mates. For almost 40 years now, Clinton has protected me, sometimes when I would foolishly have bitten off more than I could chew. He has given me the confidence I needed to use the imagination that I developed as a child to write poetry and short stories. It is so rewarding to see our children leading lives as respected and honored members of their communities and as caring members of their mates' families. My older daughter came home from a visit with a former school friend two or three years ago and was shocked to learn that many of her former classmates were dropouts from life. They were on drugs or drinking heavily. They were divorced or were unwed parents. Some were in prison. Beth said, when I see our big family that often did not have any of the nice things of life and yet everyone everyone is a solid, law-abiding citizen, I have so much to be thankful for. I think you must have prayed a lot for us. And I cried. That's the most rewarding aspect of parenthood for me. Thank you for letting me use so much of your time, Dr. Dobson. And God bless you, Marion Manuel. Then back to Dr. Dobson. Thank you, Marion, for revealing your faithfulness to us. You could have easily blamed God for making life so difficult. Even as a child, I'm sure you understood that he could have prevented that spring from breaking or redirected it away from your head. He didn't have to take your mother when, he, when you needed her so badly. He could have made you pretty or popular or athletic. It would have been reasonable, given these limitations, for you to have been bitter to the Lord or at the Lord. The deck did seem stacked against you, but nowhere in your letter was there a hint of anger or disillusionment. Nor do we sense any self-pity as you described your plight. Instead, as you told us, long before this time, I have given my heart to the Lord. I admire you greatly, Marion Banmail. The Lord must feel the same. Although he seemed not to care in those early days, he was quietly working behind the scenes to send a Christian husband to love and protect you. Then he blessed you with eight children, each of them growing to, up to serve him. What a capstone to a life of faith. If you had yielded to bitterness because of your handicap, your sons and daughters would certainly have observed it. Some probably would have adopted the same attitude. Thank you for holding tightly to your faith, even when God made no sense in the affairs of your life. You are also a cherished member of my all-time Hall of Fame. Page 231. You know, I don't have it in here because I didn't know. Um, so many times God gives me something. I write a song, a poem, or story every day, do a devotional, those kind of things. And it's, it's amazing how what's going on in my own life and probably in your life lines up so much with what I'm reading out of this book. I was writing... Um, it was my song. I wrote two songs yesterday. One was geared mostly to my husband, and it was talking about this. That's like how he had, um, it seemed like there was like the cards stacked against him, the deck of cards, just like what I read about here, about this woman, what Dr. Dobson said about her. It seemed like things were against him. My husband, he had some things, <laughs> he had some obstacles. He was short. He was only 5'5", five five, but his dad was only 5'3". They were they were short, and you know they got teased a lot about that. But my <laughs> my husband, one day, I was him in his pants or something, I was talking about, because it's hard for him to find pants that fit him, because he was big around the, he, he's big around those, uh, well, actually, he wasn't so super, super big around his uh, mid-life, he, uh, around his waist. He had a small waist. But he had, he was big at the top, um, and so he wore his shirts and stuff was like normal size, whatever. But his pants had to be short. But anyway, I said something. He goes, "What?" 
He said, my feet touched the floor just like anybody else's. <laughs> Isn't that cute? I thought that was cute. And, um, you know, but it doesn't matter if you're tall or short, um, fat, or, uh, fat or skinny. You know, all those different things. But it's like if you're, if you're, I know there's skinny people in our family that people talk about. Say, hey, don't you ever eat? You know, and um, they get teased for that. And um, if they're tall, say, whoo, there's a, there's a, um, something, there's a long drink of water or something like that. I don't know. I, I heard different comments. Um, not me. <laughs> I'm short. I'm short. I've, I've heard it uh, directed to other people. Uh, you know, or if there's somebody that seems to get in trouble all, all the time, that's the black sheep of the family. You know, the labels. Labels. We all get them. We all get them. Or she's the goody goody two shoes, you know, or um, <laughs> heavenly minded, no earthly good, uh, those kind of things. Those kind of things get thrown at us. We all have our own set of baggage. We all, all have our own set of obstacles. Um, I was not born, uh, born and raised in a preacher's home, but I was born in an um, apostolic Pentecostal family. And uh, we grew up without television. We didn't go to the movies. Um, I, as a girl, I didn't cut my hair or wear pants or wear makeup. Uh, my brothers, um, they kept their, their hair was cut short. Um, the boys, it's like, the boys, it's really weird because sometimes they didn't feel like they fit in. But to us, they looked like they didn't have as many, um, they didn't have any obstacles because appearance-wise, they didn't, they blended in more with um, the other boys more than uh, than I as a girl blended in with other girls. But um, we all had certain, certain things that you had to deal with. But, you know, my brothers are, uh, they own their own businesses and, they're successful. They go to church. They have um, good testimonies. Um, my mom was a praying mother. They, my mom and dad didn't have a lot of money. Uh, we didn't go out and eat very much. It was a, very, a treat. And I'm serious. My mom took slices of cheese. My mom took slices of cheese from home when we went to the to the uh, like McDonald's or Big Chef and Jeff, uh, Burger King, any of those places. If we wanted a cheeseburger. She'd uh, take a slice of cheese and cut it in half and put it on there ourselves. It saved 10 cents back then. Seriously. <laughs> she cut the corners even when we did splurge a little bit. That's, um, that's just how it was. But we survived. And I was thinking the other day, um, my mom and dad had three kids. And between us, see, I had three daughters. My brother Darren had... Um, three kids. My brother Tim had two kids, so add those up. Then my brother Darren's daughter, oldest daughter, had two children. His son had four kids. Um, My oldest daughter had three. My youngest daughter had three. My middle daughter is not married, has has no children, except she shares children with me with childcare. but our family has grown and expanded. That's what I'm saying. My mom and dad, because of their love for Jesus and their Christian walk, uh, have produced this many children. And all of all of these, well, I guess my brother Darren has a daughter uh, 
it's not written for God at this point, but she knows she needs Jesus. She told my mom on a recent phone call that um, my mom is telling her she needs to get back to church. She goes, no, I don't need to get back to church. And mom says, well, you need Jesus. She goes, yeah, I do need Jesus. Um, but just go, so just keep on praying for her because my mom's prayers, my prayers, her, her family's prayers are all still around the throne. Those prayers. And God is going to do a work in her life as well. So just keep on living for God. And that's to give you hope for your family. God knows. He knows your heart. He knows your life. You're sold out to Him. Yes, there will be battles and temptations. Your children will be tempted. They will go through things. They have to go through life too. As God's making and molding you. And you might feel like you've arrived. Or you're where you need to be in Christ. But that doesn't mean... The devil's not going to kill, still attack you through the lives of your children or through the lives of other things. Or, you know, in my case, me losing my spouse. You know, it's a, it's a whole different struggle, a whole different thing. But all things work together for God's glory because there's no shortage of God's mercy. There's no shortage of His love. And that's what I'm supposed to share with you today. You have a great day. Bye-bye.